I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, so uh, I'm just going to lie down for this one. It's really getting difficult to work with you, eh? It's 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 incredible. I am getting way too big for my britches. You are you your head is massive. Um Shut up. This morning, the first text I, I received, the very first text I received, I think it was at like <laughs> six o'clock in the morning. No way it was. No way. Not for me, it wasn't. I did get a text from my boy saying, Congratulations. We have just hit 1 million downloads. And that's, uh, that's you know, for me, who it's... Sent, who sent you that? You, you sent that. To who? You sent that. I did not. Okay, hold on. I have a lot of friends. I have a lot of friends. <laughs> I didn't send lie. that out. I sent you at 7... Okay, at 720, sorry. I sent you... I said... And I don't even know if that's a milestone, but it, fuck, it's a million. What do so you I mean? mean it's, uh, what do you mean... I don't even know if I think that's a milestone. That is, I, I think that that's incredible. You know, we, we, we ventured off to really do something that we knew nothing about. We tried to do things the right way throughout the last year. We haven't even hit a year left, a uh, year um, so far. And it's awesome. Congratulations so was, to you. Someone Congratulations was saying, so hard, me. you guys, so hard to do. I haven't found this to be that hard. <laughs> Because uh, that's cocky. because look at you. Like if people were watching you live, you're laying down on your couch, your legs up over your couch. <laughs> I got. I'm I'm searching the web. You're searching the web. I'm excited yeah. for the topics that you brought to the table today. Too. No one's having more fun than uh, Andrew Peters right now. But listen, I just want to say the people that are listening to our podcasts and and uh, you know listening to us two bums uh chat about hockey it's 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 awesome it really is so professionalism still in the works i take it yeah it, it, we're still we're still uh still working on that but you want to shut your ringer off i did uh okay so a million thank you to everybody and i'm and i mean that because we have some awesome 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 listeners and followers and um and and thank you thank you to elliot friedman for his mondays because when we first left and started doing this we were and it's almost 11 months to the day and we took a month we took a excuse me we took a month off in august so you know like when we left uh 11 months ago to do this elliot was a guy that we were like we need to target him because we enjoy talking to him. We love Elliot. We've had him on in our old show, The Instigators, when we were on the radio. And we loved having him on. He was one of the he was one of the first, he is one the first big name insider to come on our shows regularly when we were doing it. And you know, when we left, we were like, Elliot, would you be willing to come on? He's like, I'd love you guys. I'd love to come on. So thank you, Elliot. Yeah. If you're listening, he probably yeah. he doesn't have time to listen to us. But Elliot. He re- he really doesn't like we are we are at the bottom of the totem pole in his uh, his uh, world. He's the he's the hockey Look guru. At his life though, he does not he doesn't have time to listen to any other podcast. I I believe that. I strongly- why would he? Yeah, why would he? Guy talks <laughs> hockey every single minute yeah. of the day, and he's gonna go back and listen to after the whistle podcast. That would be ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. So thank you, Elliot. Jr. He's been unbelievable. We talked to him last September when we started this and start, like, started even talking about this and putting it together, and he was on board from the get-go. He loved the idea. We were asking him for 30 minutes. He's like, 30? He's like, I can give you an hour, hour and a half every day. We were like, uh, JR, we yeah. don't know if we're even going to go that long, but he is, 
he's in and he used to come not on knowing anything about how the podcast world works we were all new to it and we not really knowing anything and we we're just kind of like hey jr can we get uh you know 15 20 minutes of your time and and then uh he was like no 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 i want to be on the full show he goes i'm exclusive to you guys you're the only time i talk hockey and and listen i mean it's a gift to have uh, that man on with his hockey knowledge and and everything else and his opinions that he have that you know sometimes are controversial to to some but you know people listen and and that's what it's all about. I think it's he's been he's been incredible. Yeah, yeah, he's he's definitely and he's in again for this year, which is great. And uh, obviously, Brian Gianta. When we first started out, he was we were like, Geo, do you want to come on once a week? He was doing something on NBC. Remember, he he was he went on NBC and yeah, come on the show with us and and uh, you know his resume is incredible and to have to have him come on with us regularly. I mean, it's it, it, he. I mean, look how many teams he's played for. He's won a cup. So that was another guy that you know. And then all of a sudden, out of the blue, the Vanner, yeah, the Vanner. Just, you know, started listening to the show and we got him on as a guest. And then uh, it wasn't even that. What was it? You was So how did that Thomas start? Van- did he send Thomas us a Van- text or something? Thomas Vanek started texting us about things that we were saying in the show, basically mm-hmm. doing the old hockey inside the hockey room. He's ripping on us. He's just being Vanek. And then we're like, you know what? Let's get this D bag on the show, you know, and listen, he's awesome because I didn't realize because, you, 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 you know, you play with these guys. Thomas Vanek was was a star. He was a star, you know, scoring, you know, 30s and 40s, uh, you know, goals every year being the guy that basically was a major factor in our team and how much, uh, you, you know, you don't talk to these guys every day. And now all of a sudden we're having Thomas Vanek text us because he's listening to our podcast and listening to our content and, and, and what our pretty opinions much disagreeing are disagreeing with everything we're saying. Yeah, and he's disagreeing <laughs> on certain things. And, and when you, and when you we're talking about, you know, you know, goal scoring or offensive uh, abilities of certain stars in the league, he's chiming in and ripping on us because like, what do we know? We're two mutt bags that we're just happy to be in the league. And uh, you know, it, it was awesome. And we're just like, well, man, we got to get Vanner on. And uh, we had him on a couple times at the end of the year into the playoffs. And he is a world of knowledge, a world of knowledge. And what I love about him is that he is so versed on the entire league because he damn near played for every team in the goddamn league. Yeah, he can literally cover a third of the league. <laughs> Before the show you had, I gave Craig the task of Oh, you gave me the task. Coming Here up we with the go topics. again. The the ultimate host giving me tasks no. what to do. <laughs> Jesus. I I just said I said, look, I got so much going on. I got to send the Zoom. I got to, I got to run the show. I got to, I got to edit. I got to, I got to put everything out. Like, I mean, like do something. So, so I said, come up with the topics today. Yeah. So, so I called you in the morning, FaceTime you in the morning, actually. You answer and your covers are over your head. Mm-hmm. So I had to give you a little bit of time this morning to get up, grab a coffee, you know, get, uh, Get your things going and don't worry. I'll, I'll take care of things. But uh, so what do we got? What's on the agenda? Listen, first and foremost, training camp day, rookie training camp day. And, uh, you know, we were just talking a little about that before the show. And I'll tell you right now. It's one scary time. I hated it. It was it was one scary, scary time. I, re- I remember my first. My first training camp in Montreal. Going back to the to, to to what I did to prepare myself for my first training camp, I thought I was ready to rock and roll, and you realize, holy jumping, how far you're away. Well, look and, at these guys now. Well, they, they get on the they get on the ice. They've been skating for yeah months. Yeah, like I Matt's, skated Matt, maybe so, a month. 
I skated so, maybe a month before training camp. These players now do not come off the they ice. They don't come off the ice. I mean, so we just, uh, like, we have listeners from everywhere, but they, they know that we live in Buffalo. So we see a lot of the Buffalo, you know, coverage and stuff. And you just see Matt Savoy step on the ice yesterday for the first practice of rookie camp. And you just think, these guys look like they're in midseason form already. Like it. Well, they it, are. Exactly. I mean, if you think for if you think about it, how far ahead the kids are now, like 18-year-old kids that step on the ice after being drafted, I don't care what round, but after their draft, and when they step on the ice for the first time at camp, how much more advanced and their physical shape compared to 10 years ago. Not even not even now or not even our when we were drafted, but just 10 years ago. Yeah. It's it's insane how the, how well, much when the did you start to... working out? When did you start to prepare yourself? What for, age? Yeah, what age did you start to lift weights for the first time? After I was drafted in the OHL. So oh, I, was I was the ex- yeah, I was the exact same. I, like I, I was... went. I went to I I got drafted to the Kingston Frontenacs, 19th overall. I did push-ups and sit-ups. That's it. I never ran. I didn't do any training. I never went to a gym. All I did was push-ups and sit-ups because that's what I was tested on when I got to camp in, yeah. in Kingston in the OHL. And I never t- I never saw a gym, didn't have a trainer, didn't skate I, at all. I skated maybe three weeks before I, you know, I, I was to introduced camp. to weight training when I was 15. Okay. I was 6'4". So, I mean, it's not like it was going to hurt me. I was already 6'4", and I need, and I was skinny. Like, I was skin and bones. And and by, by skin and bones, I mean, like, 170. <laughs> okay? So, I, I was introduced to it at 15, tinkered with it, you know, never really got into it. Skated. Started skating a lot at 15, 16. 16, I worked out occasionally, but didn't really get into it heavy, heavy. And then... That that year I was drafted in the OHL, and then I came home and I hooked up with a longtime friend of our family's. Uh, he's four years older than I am. His name's Mark Cosgrove. He's a rugby player, and we trained every single day. He trained yeah. me, and I remember I went to my first OHL training camp. I was seventeen. I was a second rounder. We had a fitness test. The test was one eighty five, and I remember. I was 17, and this was in June. It was a week after the OHL draft. So he got drafted on the Saturday, June 2nd, 3rd, 4th, whatever it was. And the next week, I was at in Oshawa for a fitness test. Okay? 185, I was 6'4", 175. How many times do you think I did it? 6'4", 175. How old were you? 17. I would say one. Zero. Zero? Zero. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. So I went home and I, I told, I told Mark who I just started training with like a few weeks before. And by the end of the summer, when I went back in September, just after Labor Day and did the training camp, I put it up 22 times. I went from zero okay, to so, 22. So you want to hear something about what we're talking about is the training philosophy back When we were starting, like I didn't lift a weight, not one single weight until I was 17 years old. After my first year in the OHL, I got drafted to the Montreal Canadiens in June and then started basically working out with a trainer when I was 17, almost turning 18. I'm going to give you an, I'm going to give you an idea of what the kids are doing today. So what you just said when you were 17 years old, you're six foot four, you're 175 pounds, you needed a bench 185, you couldn't do it. Yeah. I coach a 14U hockey team here in Buffalo. The boys are now starting to lift weights, okay? They're, they're in their impact training at, at the Harbor Center. And they, um, you know, every day it's differently different. You know, one day it could be a leg workout with some, some sprinting stuff like that. Another day is upper body. They were saying to me, the boys were saying to me that, um, they were doing, they were doing bench press. One of their, one of their exercises was doing a bench press for like, uh, sets of five. We had a kid on our team that's 14 years old doing 185 for six. 
He's 14. Uh, 185 for six. Why are kids that age even lifting weights? I don't under think about I, I what don't, I just yes, said. Yes, I understand. I bet you I could bench 14 year old kids back in the day. Is ridiculous. It's it, it's unbelievable strength. But why are why are these kids lifting that kind of weight at this age? I don't I don't understand that. They're not even fully fucking grown. Every kid's different. Every kid hits puberty at a different time. Some kids are advanced and some kids are <laughs> basically there's kids right now at 14 that haven't even started puberty. But that there's, doesn't mean that all their their joints and ligaments and everything are are fully grown. I mean they're they're like like you still you have growth spurts still coming from 14 to 18. I mean some I kids are finished growing finished at 15 i was finished at 15 yeah but i know people that were that were that grew grew mass my uncle my uncle went went away to university he was 511 when he graduated university he was 63 yep. i mean he, he went away to university at 18 like that's a late bloomer you know what i mean so yeah i have an issue with that and I have an issue with that. A 14-year-old kid. But you have to understand. 185 pounds. Some are they 14... squatting too? Yes. It's the fucking stupidest thing I've ever heard, man. That's like, not. No. Yes, no, no, it no. is. You're I had wrong. fucking back surgery when I was 19 because of what we're talking about. Well, you know what? The reason why you had back surgery is because you didn't do shit when you're 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. These kids are doing age-specific movements they're strengthening their tendons they're stretching properly when they're nine and ten and eleven and then at 12 they start to do a little bit more resistance training at at 14 they're doing they're starting to do weights all of these kids most of them have hit puberty they're they're starting to gain muscle they if you do it properly you won't have injuries now let me let me ask you a question do you remember back when we played do you remember how many guys had groin pulls? Remember that one year in the league, there was like a, an insane amount of groin yeah, it was, pulls. It was oh five oh six, right after the lockout. Okay, and you want to know why? Hernia shit. You want to know why? Because guys didn't train the same way. You should have seen back in the nineties. You know how many injuries came from lower back groins and hip flexors in the NHL back in the nineties and early two thousands. It was ungodly. How many times do you hear of a player in the NHL have a groin problem? Uh, are, you saying, are you saying that we're done with groin injuries or don't exist anymore? I'm when's the last time you heard it? Well, fuck. I bet everybody has a groin injury. No, no, no. There was guys that were out for weeks and months because of their groin injury back, back 20 years ago, these young hockey players of today, and it's not just in hockey. It's in all sports. It's okay, how well, they're training. Well, they're the, they are training. Then. So, so when did this start? How many years ago? 10 years ago. Like, how many years ago would you say that hockey players that are playing now in the NHL started this philosophy? Like, like I would, 10 say, I would say easily 10 years ago that that um, now there's always going to so be in, bad in, shit. In crazy. 20 years, in 20 Hold years, on. there's always parents that are that are off the rocker. Always. There's they're going to be there all the time in every single sport. But they're the majority of of you know, high end athletics, whether you're in hockey or football or baseball or whatever, lacrosse, you are training sports specific muscles at certain ages, whether it's stretching properly and having kids understand how to stretch. No one ever taught me how to stretch. Never. No one ever taught me how to strengthen my groins with band work and, and all this stuff. That was never taught to our generation. This generation at age 11, 12, 13, 14, they are, they have started to train their bodies. So when they hit 14, I'm not saying all of them, but a lot of kids have hit puberty and now you can slowly, slowly train muscles. They're and not in going 25 years. All these players that you're talking about are going to look back and say, 
I shouldn't have been back squatting when I was 14. I shouldn't have been benching. I have sh- two shoulder problems here. Like I probably shouldn't have been benching 185 for six at 14 because Listen, that's, that's fucking where stupid. you're totally wrong. Well, man. we don't know that. You're not a doctor. I'm not a doctor. I'm and, not a and, doctor. And no one, no one knew, no one knew that, uh, that, you know, putting on a helmet, you could still get a concussion, but now we have those guys now that are the, are that we're the guinea pigs and they're going to look back. They're looking back saying, well, you probably should have done this, this, and this differently. Cause look at us now it's going, it's going to translate with every generation and there is damage being done. Maybe not to all. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week you're here is in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All of them, but to some of these kids that are lifting weights at 14. I think there's less damage being done in the later years of their hockey because they have trained their bodies the proper way. Yeah. You know why kids are training like this, Craig, at, at such a young age? Because the fucking money in pro sports is ridiculous. So that's why it's happening. So they found justification so kids can do this work so that it they can get an edge so that they can get closer to the money. And the, the problem is, and I will say this, youth sports as a whole, youth sports is off its fucking rocker. Hockey, soccer, basketball, baseball, tennis, all of it. Travel sports at eight years old? Travel sports at nine years old. Are you fucking crazy? Hockey, these parents, the money that goes into it, hotels, there needs to be a regulation on when travel sports can start. So you can get the psychos about their kids being an out for their money issues. I watched King Richard. He got lucky. Doesn't work for everybody. It's gross. And I got a nine-year-old kid, and I'm starting to see it. Other parents have that in every. That's what I said. I didn't. In every what? In every aspect, whether you're whether your kids in sports, okay, you're gonna have you're gonna have these issues. You're always gonna have parents that are trying to live through their kid, and they know they know better than anybody. So they're gonna they're gonna drive their kid in a direction and and drag them through the coals, okay. And I know your kids in there too. And I I sit and I think, and he absolutely, I have no problem with with my son lifting weights right now. Because it is age specific. My son has been with this program and he, when he started here, when he was younger, okay, he's 14 now, but he started when he was nine, when they were nine, they went to impact training and you know what they were doing? They were doing, you know, um, you know, wall sits for, for 20 seconds to strengthen their little thighs. And they were doing fun little, you know, athletic movements that helps these kids. Um, they stretch their groins properly, their hip flexors, all these things. They stre- They did all these things. And that was age specific for nine and 10. And then as, as you get to 11 and 12, they started to venture out a little bit more. They started to do band work just to work on tendons and movements and all that kind of stuff. And he's got to a point right now where my son has hip puberty. Okay. Is he deep into puberty? No, but he has, he's in puberty. And they're slowly depending on, because not every player at this age is the same. You have, you have some guys, some players that are 14 that barely look like they look like they're 10 and you have other kids that have facial hair at 14 years old. Okay. Like damn near beards. All these kids are at different stages. So the training people, the people that train our team in, 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 in particular, are very cognizant of there are different levels of puberty, okay? And you cannot put one, you cannot put all these players in the same box. And that's important. And if you have a good trainer, then you feel very comfortable, okay, with this. I understand what you're saying, though. 
there is youth sports is it's tough. It's tough to navigate it as a parent. You want the best for your child. You're going to give them opportunity. Um, things get extremely, extremely expensive. Um, for so many, it's it's not it it's not even expensive. It's it's life altering to put your kid through youth sports, and it's hard sometimes. You know, I remember my parents going through it. Um, parents worked super hard. They were they were extremely smart with every dollar that they earned. And believe me, they could have had a lot. They could have had a different life. They could have had a very different life if my brother and I weren't in in uh, in organized hockey, triple A oh hockey. God, same here. I, I yeah, it, it it takes a toll on families. Sports it does. Takes it does. A toll and I, on and I remember emotionally, financially. I mean. It, it's not a it's not a smooth ride. I mean, if you're a silver spoon kid whose parents are paying your way and you're loaded, you're lucky. You're lucky. Yeah, to, you're lucky to cruise through that way. Because listen, I remember my dad uh, and my mom. You know, I would um, if I was staying with my mom, um, we would very very often go to a tournament and stay with another uh, mother and and their son. And that was just because of cost. I mean, it was extremely expensive. My my mother packed a cooler. We ate all of our we we didn't eat out very often because it was it was very expensive. So we, you know, we made, you know, sandwiches. And I remember my dad getting up and cutting up a, a huge bowl of fruit salad so I could eat that in the morning and make sure I'm 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 uh, nourished properly. Um and and that's just uh that's the way the way we did things. And I remember those things. I, I know how expensive this, this, uh, the game was. What was the other thing you wanted to talk about? You had an agenda. Well, the gerbil, <laughs> the gerbil, anybody knows the gerbil, Nathan Gerby. He retired. He got retired. a job, didn't he? Where's he working? He got a job in player development in, uh, Nashville, Nashville. Yeah. And, uh, I love this guy. I really, I really um, got to know Gerbs when he was when he was here in Buffalo. You know, you just look at this young man, and uh, when he when he showed up, you know, came out came out of uh, the college uh, ranks, played for Boston College, absolutely shredded it, and uh, I think he's got to be one of the smallest guys to ever play in the NHL. He's five four. Five four. I can. This guy's got a heart of gold. I'm gonna tell you, he's got a heart of gold. He's got a great story. Um, his entire hockey life, people just looked at him and said, "Yeah, there's there's absolutely zero chance that you will will go anywhere," because he was just too small. He's just far too small. It's way too small. This this guy has a heart of a lion. The way he he prepares himself. I I watched him in the gym. Oh my lord! I've never seen a a, a stronger individual. His hands, his shot, everything. He just worked on his craft to continue to get better. To to, I would imagine, you know, all the doubters, all those years. I think that's what drives a, a, a young, uh, a young uh, Nate Gerby when he went, when he started and he's had a, he's had a long, you know, awesome career. He lived with me eh, for a little bit. His Did he first, really? Yeah. Um, he was definitely there during some of the season, his first season with Buffalo and then the summertime he was there and here I got a great story about this guy, man. Like it just speaks to who he is. He worked so hard in the gym. He would go back and take shots at the rink and he, he was so dedicated. Right. But so it was about 10 o'clock at night and this was a regular thing. So it's not like this was a one hit wonder 10 o'clock at night. You know, I was getting ready to wind down and I like to be up early to work out. I was always at the rink early in, in the summertime. Um, and I, I think I worked pretty hard. Now I wasn't always in. The, I wasn't in the best shape on the team because an NHL team is made up of some absolutely just incredible. They're genetic athletes, freaks. Just incredible athletes. So to be amongst these guys was just a. 
it, it was an eye opener knowing that I was at least a good athlete, but seeing how great these guys were. And this yeah. is an example of what one of them are, Nathan Gerby. Ten o'clock at night, you know, I I was I would sit down. I I have I don't know like a little bowl of ice cream or yogurt or something like a treat before bed. You know what I mean? And I was sitting down on the sofa to turn on the TV to watch uh, something on TV. And downstairs comes Gerbs out of nowhere, right? And he's got his sneakers on, shorts, and a T-shirt. Now, he'd already worked out for hours in the morning, then had gone back and shot pucks, and then had a really good meal and all this stuff. And he comes downstairs. I'm like, where are you going? It's like, oh, I'm just going to go for a quick sprint. Okay. I'm like, uh, Really? And now I'm starting to wonder: Do I try to put the ice cream down and go with him? <laughs> I'm like, I'm like okay. the old the old guilt trip. Oh, right? I was I felt so guilty. I felt so he made me feel like shit. And he 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 said I mapped out on my with my car a mile, so I'm just going to go and run the mile. I swear to you, I, I'm not even kidding with you. He was back in six minutes soaked in sweat like i mean i'm like did you what did you just sprint a mile he said i sprinted the whole way i swear to you it was like he came back just absolutely drenched he could barely breathe six i swear to you i was barely done my ice cream he was gone it was like i couldn't believe it he was there did you ask him why didn't he do two miles no he said he just he he wanted to just jolt the body it's all it was about. He said, I just wanted to give the body. You know what it is? It's all about training for the, the freaking uh, VO2 max. How long are you on the VO2 max for? You're basically running every. So people that don't understand the VO2 max, it's it. you can do it on the bike or you can do it on the treadmill. I prefer to do it on a treadmill because the, the bike was, was suited for heavier, thicker, and extremely powerful low body guys, lower body power, right? Legs, power, ass. And the treadmill was more for leaner guys that could, that could run. Okay. I enjoy doing the running way more. And you start at a certain pace. You start at what? I, I think they started at five miles an hour or five and a half miles an hour. You run for a minute. And you have this great big plastic tube coming out of your mouth. You have the nose, your nose plugged. So think about this at home. You have your nose completely plugged so you can't breathe out of it. You have a plastic piece that goes inside your mouth that is extremely uncomfortable with a tube coming out of it. And then they start you on a grade of one running at five and a half miles an hour every minute you go up a half a mile so you go to 5.5 to six miles an hour but you go from one the grade of one to a grade of two so by the time you're done this by the time you're five minutes in you're running at what seven seven and a half miles an hour and you're at like a grade of five which you're thinking to yourself that's that's not too bad it's not that bad then five minutes later, you're running at 10 and a half miles an hour at a grade of like nine or whatever, or 10 it is. And you have to literally go until you, I I've seen guys pass out on the treadmill. What's the highest I, VO two you've ever seen? 69. If you're in the, in the sixties, it, it, you are, you are really, really strong. I would imagine, and that's when I that's when I was doing the VO2 max. That's when I was going through it. I would imagine every one of these players that come up to training camp, I would imagine their test scores are grossly higher than what it was when I when I did my last VO2 max. I think my brother scored a 71 in Chicago on the VO2. Wow. That's I mean, so listen, everybody, everybody needs to realize that um you can train until you're blue in the face, but there, there is a part where physical genetics come into play. Okay. And your mother and your father gave you guys a gift 
Okay. That is a gift from Mama and Papa Peters. They were they were doing this shit together. So um a lot of that, you know, I shouldn't say a lot of it. You have to train to be in elite shape, but there are there are players that are just genetically gifted more than others. I mean, 71, I think the highest I heard at, uh, you know, in my time was, was, uh, 69, but it does not surprise me whatsoever that you get just in a genetic freak that pulls out a 71. Like that is, that's that's running at a different level than everybody else at camp. Okay. Well, no, but that was, that was my brother though. I mean, my brother, uh, what what did you typically get it in in your time? I I never did a VO2. I've never had a VO2 test. We never, never, we never did one in Buffalo. We always did the the bike the test, the, the Wingate. The VO two, the VO two max really has no correlation to hockey whatsoever, from what I've been led to understand. Like the Wingate is the one that really tells the power, how long you can maintain the power, um, your your maximum strength, your in the endurance. There's recovery in there, all of that stuff. So I think, I think the Wingate was more specific specifically designed to work for a hockey grade i could be wrong i i don't yeah i don't know that for sure but again the wind gate again is a bike test yes there are players that are suited for bike riding hence the guys that are 220 pounds well that that was have legs and asses i I trained only on the bike because it was okay well so you did probably extremely well on your on your wingate test and then you have another guy like uh Polly byron who comes in he weighs 140 pounds he's got a two percent body fat and his legs are a size of two toothpicks he is not going to be the guy that rips apart the wingate it's going to be a very big powerful Clydesdale that has the ability to put the power out. Okay. The power out and then sustain that for a, for the 45 seconds, you have to do it. And I'm going to tell you how many guys over the course of your, your training camp years, did you see vomit after the Wingate? Oh my God. You you straight legging and nauseous. Do you remember that? You're just like, oh, oh listen, I remember, locked. I, you know, both, both again, the anxieties of going, they would train your feet. They'd have to tape some guy's feet to the fucking pedals. And then the guys were like about to pass out and die and they couldn't cut the tape off fast enough. <laughs> yeah. Like fucking guys are starting to topple over. I listen. It's amazing that you just said that they were taping your feet. Okay. Because the bikes were shit back then. Like, I mean, they were like old school bikes. You're taping the these these players' feet to the bike pedals, okay? Because they're so powerful that they're ripping these plastic straps that are going over their feet. So you had to tape their feet. Here's the problem. 45 seconds of the worst 45 seconds of your life. And I've seen guys that had their feet taped to the pedals, just like you said, and a bucket had to go over to them and they're barfing in the bucket and they can't get their, they're, they're, they're trying to cut their feet out so they, they can get off the bike. Yeah. I remember seen it so many times. I remember riding that and I remember no joke going over and putting my feet up on the wall to try and get the blood back to my brain. Cause I felt like I was going to vomit all over the place and I remember being there for 30, 30 plus minutes. I yeah. felt so nauseous getting up because I have pushed my body way, way past the threshold. And then thinking to myself, I, I went home, I had to eat. I didn't feel like eating because I felt so nauseous throughout the day. And then you had to go on the ice later on the day. It was awful. Yeah. Oh, I remember that. I remember that. Do you remember the skate test in Buffalo? The five bouts where you go, you start on the goal oh, line. Yeah. yeah. So but listen, I will line, take you... a skating test any day, any day over over any wind gate or 45 second on the wind gate. And that felt like 
the fifth, fourth and fifth bout of the skate test, if you recall. Guys were like straight leg in the last couple after the final turn out of the corner. See, defensemen were different. You guys had a different route than we did. We had to skate on the inside of the of the neutral zone dot. So you start in the goal line, you fly all the way down on the inside yep. of around the second neutral zone dot at the far blue line. Yep. Figure eight around the other neutral zone dot down the boards all the way to the far corner from where you started through a series of pylons, like tight turns, agility stuff, like through a series of pylons that, that go from the goal line in the corner around to the top of the circle, down to the dot, back to the top around, and then come out at the hash marks. And then you have to sprint back. Okay. So you the, lost me at the figure eight, like three, 30 to seconds the top ago. of the circle. And then you had a minute to rest. Yes. And then you had had to do that five times. And while you're standing there, you had the heart rate. You had a heart rate monitor yes. on. Your watch was on your belt. And you had your, your strength guy like like recording your numbers as you're recovering. So they want to hit your peak heart rate. And then they want to know where you are after one minute before you have to go again. And they did that so five what times. I'm, what I'm going to say torture. to that right now is the evolution of the game of hockey. So this is us doing this like 10, 15 years ago, okay? And I played 15 years before that. And and what I'm trying to say is that skating test that the Buffalo Sabres had in 2008, 2009 season, that skating test was horrendously bad for the boys. Thomas Vanek, who... You know, that's not his thing. You know, like, I mean, we had guys that would do this skating test and it was hell. I mean, we only had to do it five times. If you were to do that to the players of today, they would be able to do the exact same thing that we did five times and almost literally die. They could do it 20 times at the same level. That's how much they are in completely like if you re- if you remember the skating test, what happened after three, four, and five? What what went? What was the first thing to go? Oh, your legs. Was it was it, it was it was your legs. Yeah. It wasn't your lungs. No, you it wasn't the that? lungs. It was the legs. Listen. Your legs literally w- were done. These kids do not come off the ice. Their ability to skate long lengths is is like nothing. They could do that test. 20 times and and have a better heart rate at the end of it than the five times that we did it back 15 years ago what was the other thing you wanted to talk about i just want to say that nate gerby is a special kid um i'll never forget this and i'll tell you this my my oldest son who's now 18 started uh started to play hockey at uh with the buffalo regals um and uh I remember that I was out there on the ice coaching and I I was retired at the time, okay? I just just retired the year before. And um I I ended up giving a call to to uh Nate Gerby, who's uh who's a young buck. I think he was only his maybe his first year in the league, I, I think. And I said, "Hey Nate, you're retired?" Not- no, Gerb's maybe I wasn't returned. I was still on the team. I was still okay. on the team. Gerb started and, playing in Buffalo in uh, his first, his full year was 10-11. Okay, so it would have been my second year here in Buffalo, uh, uh, Gerby's uh, first year. And I had asked him at the rink. I said, listen, I said, I have a practice uh, tonight. And, um, you know, these kids are, these kids are like eight, eight, eight years old. And, uh, would you, would you mind just even showing up at the rink and maybe, maybe just coming in the dressing room, saying hi to all the kids and, uh, and that's it. That's all I, that's all I want, want you to do. Just kind of come and these kids are going to go berserk when they see Nathan Gerby show up to the rink and come into the dressing room after. Okay. So Nate, uh, I, I show up, I tell him what time practice is. It's like, uh, six 30 and, uh, he shows up at, uh, six 15 walks into the room. He's got his skates, his glove and his helmet. I look at him I'm like, what are you doing? He goes, I'm coming on the ice. These kids 
did not say one single solitary word the entire time. They just were all watching Nathan. Were, were they wondering who this new kid is to come play? No, the they everybody <laughs> knew who. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like some of the kids were taller than Nathan at the time. <laughs> That's what I mean. But he got out there and he absolutely had a blast. Um, you know, had a little talk with the boys after practice. Their eyes were bulging out of their head. And uh, I'll never forget this at the at the very end. Um, you know, Nate, Nate uh, came up to my son, Nate, and said, hey, Nate, do you want to drive home with me? And my son kind of looks at me and I'm like, yeah, if you want to do that, uh, go ahead, you know. So Nathan Gerby had this great big, huge Audi S8 or something like that. It was a great big boat of a car and the, the electronics and lights in the car were my son to this day is still mesmerized over that ride home in the car and the ability to talk to this, this guy that he got to watch for the next couple of years in, in Buffalo. And uh, he'll never forget it. I remember these, that car. These interactions. Needed, you know, you didn't know this, but Gerbs had to sit on a pillow in that car, right? Like you, you didn't know that he had a pillow behind the 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 driver's seat that he would pull out. Yeah, that he, was called a booster seat. Yeah, I know. But what a man! What an incredible man! Um, everything about him, just watching the way he played, the way he trained, the type of person he was. He is just an absolute incredible person. And, uh, you know, I just wanted to mention him today, um, and wish him all the best in the second part of his, uh, of his hockey life. Last note, before we get out of here, a legend is stepping away from his sport. Who is my favorite athlete? So is he a tennis guy? Who is it? Federer? Yeah. No way. Yes. Really, Roger, Roger stepping, stepping away, away from the game. From the game, he's had some injuries over the last few years. He's had his his uh, his Grand Slam total has been passed. He's the greatest tennis player to ever walk the planet. There's no question, and one of the greatest athletes of all time, in my opinion. And I think the one thing I love about Federer, and you know, my my father was a tennis guy. My mom watches tennis with my dad, and and. Uh, you know, they both love tennis, so all the yeah. Grand Slams are always on, or tennis is always on in our house if there's a tournament going on, and or in my parents' house, I should say. And um, so we've watched a lot of Roger Federer over the years. I mean, and the one, I can remember his match in 2008, and this is all recall, okay, because I can remember where I was the moment I was watching this. He was playing Nadal in the Wimbledon final. Yep. And this isn't just a couple of years ago. Their greatest match ever was just a couple of years ago when it went to like a 20-point tie break. Um, and it might have been Wimbledon. It might have been a U.S. Open, but it was a grand slam, and it was Nadal Federer, and it was just a few years ago. The greatest tennis match of all time. But I can remember watching this Wimbledon match that he lost in 2008. Now, I want you to look that up and see if Nadal won Wimbledon against Federer in 2008 and after he lost i remember watching him sit at courtside during all the festivities they were bringing out the tables and uh, the trophies and and all this stuff getting ready for the presentation and he sat at courtside and he put on he put on his his like i don't know if he left his i think he put pants on but he put on like a a sweater he put on a, a like a nice dressy watch and he put on a white Wimbledon coat and he sat and he got all decked out for the presentation even after he lost. The guy wow. is one of wow, one of the truest gentlemen of his sport and maybe yeah. of sports of all time when it comes to class, um, how to conduct yourself as a pro, um, how he treats his fans, how he handles the media. Um, I, I, I'm truly not a, a huge, um, tennis watcher. I kind of lost, uh, my love after, uh, the, you know, Pete Sampras and, uh, that era of, of, uh, tennis player. Um, but let me ask you this. 
Roger Federer, Federer is is going to be retiring. He's he's twenty Grand Slams, which is just mind-boggling when you think about it. But where does he? You you say that he's the greatest tennis player ever to play. Where does he fit in with with Nadal? Nadal has twenty two Grand Slams to his name. And 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 let me let me add one more thing. I think it's very important when you're talking like an icon in a certain sport. You know, Roger Federer was the ultimate um, poster child for the sport. The way he spoke, the way he interacted with his fans. Um, do you not feel Nadal is is in the same context as as Rod- Roger Federer, and and possibly even thought of as what you get from Nadal is because of Roger Federer. Nadal was after Federer. And not by much, but he was after Federer. And he came on the scene. And the only reason why I give Federer more respect when it comes to greatness than Nadal, because Nadal has dominated the French Open. He has like 13 of them. and 14. Okay, my apologies. He's the greatest clay player of all time. He's the second greatest tennis player. Djokovic is right there. Like there's yeah. these guys are like this has been the greatest generation of tennis for men and women that we've so ever seen. So how many how many grand seen. slams does Djokovic have? Cuz he's, he's another right, guy he's that's 20. been like he's got like 20. Go look him up. He's he's at like he, I think he just did he not he just won um he just won another one recently. How about this, this? It sucks to be a tennis player in that era. Because from Nadal to Federer to Djokovic, they have they have literally dominated the stage for what the last. You've had decade. a couple guys kind of press a little bit to be able to compete. Like your Andy Roddick was in there. You had a Leighton Hewitt in there at times. You had some other players, you know, that could like Philippusis. But yeah. they just they couldn't they just couldn't compete at the same level as these guys can like they're just so i just read a I just read a stat so the last number of years like 15 plus years federer nadal and Djokovic have won 62 of the 75 grand slams how much does that suck for all those other players that were fantastic fantastic players that just i mean having to deal with one of those guys most likely in in a final of every grand slam what congratulations federer what what a what a career you know what a what a career the he's had and such an ambassador for that sport uh, he's he's certainly going to be missed yeah so anyway vo2 check in my brother scored a 69 craig mills Scored a 72. Craig Mills, second round draft pick into the NHL. I, he's a right-handed, uh, right-handed shot winger. Craig Mills, right-handed shot, right wing. Played for the Belleville Bulls. Played Six, on the fire. I fought him. I remember fighting him in Kingston. And I grabbed the. I was in my second year. I was 18 year old, cockier than you know cocky can be, right? Because now I'm not a, a rookie dick. And I grabbed Craig Mills in Kingston, and we started throwing bombs. And I'm thinking to myself, mid fight, I'll never forget this. Mid fight, I'm thinking to myself, this guy really knows how to fight because he hit me a couple times. And I was like, oh my god, I thought my brain, you know, popped to the back of my head, and it was it was a great bout. But he totally caught me off guard and a really tough kid and, and a really good hockey player, too. Yeah, really good hockey player. They had uh, they were the fire engine line in Belleville in Cleary's first year. They called them the fire engine line because they were always yeah. scoring goals. Yep. So good stuff. That's a wrap on another episode of After the Whistle. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, After the Whistle, and at Craig Reve 52 at the Instigator76. You can find us, as you already know, on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, and anywhere else where you can get your podcasts. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to spread the word.